What up, guys? Welcome back to Off the Record, where we talk about whatever we want. And today's segment is Ask an Expert, and we have Kevin, a real estate agent here. And uh, one question I wanted to ask you is, you know, when people buy a house, they yeah. always say like, oh, it's an escrow, an escrow, an escrow. But I don't really know what escrow really means. Like, what are all the steps that happen in an escrow, and how come it takes like, I don't know, a month? Very good question. So. In Thank California, you. we use escrow. Uh, <laughs> depending on what state you live in, it could be something else. Uh, oh, for real? Yeah, so, some use attorneys who just literally do the same thing as what escrow does, but we in California have escrows, right? So, so what the hell is an escrow? Yeah, why, why is it a crow? Yeah. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> uh, but basically what happens is, you know, the typical process is you go out there, you look at properties, you like a property, you submit an offer, and it gets accepted, right? So from there, uh, a buyer and a seller has specific things that they have to do, right? One of the first things that you would have to do is once we get an acceptance, there's a thing called, we call the initial deposit. Um, it basically secures you with the property, right? So at least you have some money in the game, right? As, as opposed to, hey, like in five days later, you're like, peace, I don't like this property, I, I'm out. Right, the seller can't hold you to the property. So, so that money in the game, if that guy changes their mind, you get to keep it. Potentially, oh, right? Depending on how the contract is formulated and the process that comes through. But first thing after acceptance is we bring in the deposit. It secures the buyer to the property. That money goes to escrow, right? So the agents don't handle handle that money. The seller doesn't get that money yet. It just goes into a neutral third party between the buyer and the seller. Um, that money gets held in the escrow account and then the buyer typically will have things that they have to do, right? Because right now they only see the property, it looks good, feels good, they want to move there, but is it a good property, right? Like it could have termites? Could have termites. So you do all the checkups during the escrow time? That is correct. Oh. So in the offer that you write, typically you're going to have a specific amount of time to do these specific actions. So the biggest ones are going to be inspections. Uh, and the inspections could be just what we call general home inspection, termite inspection. You can check the sewer line depending on the age of the home. You can have an electrician or if you're planning to remodel, right? You might want to bring a contractor out. How much is this going to cost me? Is it going to be out of my budget, within my budget? So there's all of these things that we have to do within a specific amount of time, right? Now, if you go through that process and you find out, okay, uh, this is just too much work for me or there's too many things wrong with the property Then of course you can cancel and that deposit that you put in you can get that back as a buyer. Is that typically like the biggest thing that happens is something severely is wrong with the property? Yeah, or you can find out somebody died in the property. And you're like, well, I'm not doing this <laughs> Is that why sometimes in you can change the price after you find out stuff and you're just like yeah Hey man, you didn't tell me about the broken pipes. It's gonna cost me like 50 grand. Correct, correct. And, and they'll be like, okay, I'll give you a discount. Yeah. And there could be things in like the disclosures that a seller fills out that a buyer has to review. So there's gonna be a stack of reports and disclosures that a seller, you know, fills out about the property and gives to the new buyer to review. So if they've had tons of plumbing issues that could cause like, let's say a red flag for the buyer as they're reading this or as their agent reads it with their, with their client. So then they could be like, hey, this is something that you might have to deal with because if it's happening with them, most likely it's gonna happen with you unless they've corrected it, right? Or if they did correct it, did they have a professional licensed plumber come do it? Where's the invoice? I wanna make sure that it was done right. 
Um, so you have that. Plus then on top of that, most people are gonna get a loan, right? So if you're getting a loan, you wanna make sure, even though you've been pre-approved first, it doesn't guarantee that you're gonna get a loan to purchase the property. Because you could have fucked up your credit or something. You could have, or you could have gone bought a car, right, yeah, in the meantime, and then now you, you just owe too much and yeah. you're gonna get less of a loan. Right. Dude, I love going for it like that. I, I just got I'm in escrow now. I'm gonna buy a car now. <laughs> <laughs> like a, in a week in escrow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So they, they look for that like debt to income debt ratio. Debt to income right? ratio, right? So they're always gonna look how much money you make. What what's your expenses? Wow. Right? Um, balls so. on some people. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that. You see that nice car though, dude. <laughs> I get it. True. Um, and then the other thing is because most people are getting loans, there's gonna be a thing called an appraisal, right? So the appraisal is basically the bank stating, okay, if you buy a house for a million dollars, right, the bank wants to know because they're giving you money, is a house even worth a million dollars, right? Just because you're willing to pay a million dollars doesn't mean it's worth a million. I see. So let's say it's uh, worth under a million, then what yeah. happens? So Or it gets appraised for under a million. Yeah, so in the contract, the way it's set up is if the property doesn't appraise for the uh, purchase price that you're paying, then you as the buyer have the right to cancel and you can get that deposit back. I see. Right? But it really depends on how the offer is negotiated because in this competitive marketplace that we're seeing right now, um, people are paying a lot higher than what yeah. it's appraisal. worth. Yeah, because people are just trying to grab anything and everything that they can, right? Because we have no inventory. Um, so some people are waiving the appraisal contingencies. Oh. So if you do that, you know, if the appraisal comes in low, you still have to purchase the property, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's very case by case. What if it's um, appraised for more than what you're paying for? Is that just called like a bargain? Like that, that yeah, then you, you, you have instant equity right when you move oh, into the tight. property. Does that ever happen? It does, um, not as much lately, just because it's been so crazy with people just overbidding on properties. Uh, is this a happen. LA phenomenon or do you think this is happening all over America? Um, LA for sure, California for sure as well too, just because we're not building at a rate, even as crazy as many people going out of the state, um, we're still not building as, as quick enough for the population. So when you say inventory, that means like there's not enough housing for people that, that are here in, uh, in California? Correct. Cause Why our population is, well, I think there's a couple different facets to this. One is there's a lot of red tape with government agencies uh, making it much more difficult to try to build and um, that has just increased the cost for developers right so because of that what's going to happen is you're just going to add more costs onto the end product so if you do that guess what prices are going to go even higher and the margins get smaller as well too because if you don't have a market for it it's not going to work so the developer are the people that want to create homes and stuff correct and then so because it's so difficult for them to build new homes in california um for them to be able to do it it's these big guys that can that can actually afford it correct i, I mean it's just going to increase the cost of actually developing the product oh, so if you're going to increase the cost what's going to happen the, the price, price goes up but at right. least the politicians in california already have their houses though 
<laughs> nice ones. Yeah, they already got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have to worry about the rest of it. I don't mind if no one else has a house. If you build more, their their value could go down for yeah. their houses. So I understand why they don't want to do that. Why would they want to drop their own prices? The other thing that we saw pretty heavily, or I saw pretty heavily, whenever I would talk, so you have a lot of these baby boomers who have these huge houses, right? Kids are gone. Like all the people in Pasadena, right? Exactly. Where it's like, my, why is this house worth two million dollars? But Correct. it looks like a like a hundred or two hundred grand house out of state. Correct. Um, so what we see a lot with the baby boomers, the ones that have these huge houses, you know, there's a thing called Prop 13, which basically keeps their property tax rate. So if they bought this house like in 1970 for like a couple hundred thousand, their property tax is really low, right? So there is a Prop uh, Prop 60 and Prop 90, which allows a uh, person 55 years or older to sell their property and then they can buy something of equal or lesser value and they can actually keep the same property tax that they were paying. Oh, wow. House. So they could buy another, like a million or $2 million house, but pay the property tax of their old house like that? If whatever they sell their property for, right? So let's say they bought their house in 1970 for 200,000, they're paying like a couple thousand in property tax. If they sell their house today, right? Let's say it's a million dollars and they buy something a million or less, they can keep the same property tax. Oh, cool. If they're in within the same county, yeah. so LA to LA County. That sounds kind um, of fair. There's a couple where they allow you to do reciprocals, different counties, um, but the realtor associations actually put a new bill out there. So the big problem was, was a lot of people were willing to sell their house, but the problem was they couldn't find something with equal or lesser value. Oh, right? unless and, they move like super far away or something. Correct, but if they move out of state, then it doesn't ha it doesn't work, oh. right? If you move out of the county, it may not be 100%. So a lot of those people that I talked to was like, I'm not gonna sell my house because I'm at fixed income at that point, right? So they just end up like, I'll just hold on to the property. Plus, the other thing is some of them have made so much money on their homes, they don't want to sell it and pay taxes. I see. Right. Oh. So I think those are a couple of the big dilemmas of why we don't see. One is, of course, just the developers, the cost being too too expensive. And then two is just these baby boomers. They're not, they're not moving. They're not moving. Oh. Right. So then what happens is we just got to wait till they die and then maybe get it at a discount. <laughs> um, we still got, what, 20 years until they all start. People are living longer. Dropping. That's like <laughs> the big dilemma. If I have a million dollar house in Pasadena, like you said. Yeah. I put that thing on fucking rollers, I take it out of state, <laughs> and I sell it. Do I have to pay California tax? Yeah, you put on a bunch of logs. I think so. Gonna keep I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks, dude. Yeah, but California did pass a legislation over the last uh, ballot. So now the new law could be, is it's a statewide thing, so it's not a county thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is you could actually, so there's like a hybrid model. And they, they formulated after, I believe it was like Florida, uh, where, you can do it, before it was like a one-time thing, now I think there's, you can do it up to like three times. Um, and then the other thing is, if you buy something for more, you can actually, there's like a, a hybrid model. So you can keep your original for, let's say, you sold it for a million, you can keep that original 2,000, let's just say, in the previous example. And if you bought a house for like 1.3, then there'll be like that new rate, right? Mm. So then it's, it's like a little hybrid model. So then it still allows people to do it and they're, not, they're still able to capitalize on, on some savings. Today's video is brought to you by Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. What's really cool is that 
Kerov is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products. And your recommendations come in daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into the routine. Because I know, you know, building a habit, it's hard when the actual doing of it is difficult. So when it's daily packets and make it convenient, it's that much easier to stick to your routine. Yeah, and what I like about this is they have this easy five minute quiz that I personally took. And it's like a tailored approach to your unique health needs. And for me, my goal this year is to be able to sleep more. And what's cool is like they'll ask you in different things like lifestyle, diet, health concerns, and like if you're vegan, they'll, they'll make sure that they can have the right things for your lifestyle or whatever, right? And for me, I was like, I wanna focus on sleep and making sure that I take the right supplements for that. So um, that I thought was pretty amazing how a lot of people based on what their goals are, uh, they can provide that for you. So that's super awesome and you can make taking better care of your health a new year's resolution this year with this super awesome code to get 50% off. So to get 50% off your first care of order, just go to takecareof.com and enter the code off the record 50. That's 50% off your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter the code off the record 50. Damn, that sounds pretty crazy. There's so many like, the more you get into it, there's like, all this little detail stuff that you gotta know. If you were governor of California, what's the first thing you would do to help bring down home home prices? Home prices, probably let the developers actually develop, right, because- But if you bring it down, then would people go into outrage? Like, what the fuck, I bought my for I think you probably do it at a specific pace where yeah. it's not gonna be like detrimental. Like, like in 2005 or 2007 when we had that big crash, right? It was just because it was just oversupplied. People were just building like crazy. Mm. Um, and then it oh, just impacted, right? Real estate, the basic, I always say basic 101 of real estate, supply and demand, right? You can cover supply and demand. You can pretty much dictate how the market moves, gotcha. right? And the average price for the nation is what, 300,000-ish? Probably somewhere around right. there, yeah. So if you want to balance things out, then that's pretty outrageous because it's more than double what other people in the states have. Yeah. But it makes sense because we have a concentration of a ton of people in LA County. It's like, what, almost 20 mil or something? I don't know. It's over 10 mil though, yeah. right? So, but LA County is huge, but if you go to, let's say Fresno or, or you know, Central Valley or all these other places, California, there's a lot of other places that are just uninhabited. But that's Those. because people want to move here and become waiters and waitresses. And become actors. <laughs> oh, that, well, that too, yeah. <laughs> Some states have incentives, like come move here and we'll help you with your down payment, like pay yeah. 10 Gs or something. I mean, it's all lifestyle, yeah. right? Like what lifestyle do you want? What convenience do you want? And is it worth it, right? I mean, they always say we pay that weather tax. That's why we have- That's true. Taxes, but is the weather tax worth it? Fuck no. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> A lot of people are out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, are you seeing that? And where are they going typically? So the biggest is, I see a lot of the retired people. Um, they like to move for whatever reason to Arizona mm -hmm. right now. Do they have uh, zero state income tax too or no? I believe so, there's zero. But I mean, over there, I think they can just get a lot more than compared to if you go to Nevada, like Vegas or even Texas. So, so it's cheaper than Nevada in Arizona. Yeah, depending oh. on what parts you want to okay. go to. I like Tucson. Uh, my financial advisor is saying that a lot of people, like a lot of the retirement do like to go to places with zero state income tax because the minute you crack your retirement open, uh -huh. uh, the state could just come in and take their 10 or 11 or 13%. Oh wow. So it's 
that's why like people like going to Florida, Nevada, or yeah. Arizona. Yeah, mm. yeah, those are the biggest ones that I see though. Nevada for sure, yeah. um, Texas, and then uh, Arizona. I haven't seen somebody many take like the trip all the way over to Florida. To, like, Florida. I think people want to go where it's. Um, Familiar, yeah. Because I do see a lot of people from New York moving to Florida. Yeah. Well, I see a lot of people actually from New York moving here to California. Too. Oh wow. No shit. Yeah, because real estate prices are a lot cheaper. You get more for what well, you get. Just like how we, a lot of people here are moving out because they can get more. So they see us as the cheap state. Yeah, because they're Crazy. so on top of each other. Um, and then a lot of the jobs are on coast to coast too, mm. right? So I see a lot of people moving from East Coast over to to West Coast. Like if they worked at. I don't know, like Goldman Sachs and or one of the major banks or something. Yeah. Like you, you oh, okay. I've seen even like Netflix people coming over, oh, okay. right? Uh, a lot of writers are moving over as well too. Yeah. So what's the next step in escrow after you get it appraised and inspected? So appraised, inspected. So talking about like bringing the price back down. So once you do your inspections, you know now the full uh, picture of the house, right? Is it good? Is it bad? Are there things wrong with it? Um, at that point, then you can renegotiate on price if there are things that are wrong. Um, but there's two ways you can do it. You can either have the seller fix it, right, before you move in, or you can say, okay, I want X amount off and I'll take care of it on my own. Mm. Once in that, is pretty much all tidied and buttoned up. Then the next process is you get down to the closing part, which is the lender approves you for the loan. You're good to go. They'll send out the, the stack of papers that you got to sign your life away. Sucks, that part for is so For 30 boring. years. That part's so fucking boring. <laughs> it literally took me, I think like 30 minutes to sign all the papers. Yeah. I had to do, Whoa. I did it for an hour and 20, I think, because it was me and Nikki both going back and forth. Were you yeah. reading every page? No, it was just taking forever. I don't know why. I just look at the person. Well, it's not even the person. It's like the notary, right? Correct. And you're just like, I think I trust everything that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> why don't they get on DocuSign or something? You so they're trying to do that. They're trying to actually do that. There are some states that actually allow for electronic notary. Yeah. California, I guess we're just a little bit slow. We like to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, but they are trying to work on that so then you can do it, especially with COVID, so you can do it electronically. I feel like our government's like 40 years behind all the time. <laughs> like they just got a website running or some shit. <laughs> What's the most complicated, like escrow is usually three weeks or? Uh, anywhere between, if you're financing like 30 to 45 days is the typical time frame. If you're paying cash, I mean, I've done it as quickly as like you can do it seven, 10 days, right? So let's say you have a buyer and a seller that's both a pain in the ass and they have so many things they wanna like negotiate on. Yeah. Can it go past the 45 days or no? Or everything has to get taken care of within this? That's what the contract contracts will stipulate are those timeframes. Um, does that always happen in real world? That there's always like, here's what the book says and this is what real life is, right? So it doesn't necessarily always happen that way, but of course you always want to be cautious because if you don't perform on a specific things, there's you know there's always a cause and a reaction to it, right? So if the other side wants to play really hardball, if you're not performing on, let's say, your due diligence time for inspections, they can send what we call notice to perform. They send a notice to perform, and you guys aren't you know abiding by the timeline, then the seller can cancel you. Same thing with closing as well too. If you don't close on time, whether it's the buyer or the seller. Either party can send one of those notices to performs. Or when we get down to closing, it's actually a demand to close escrow. And if you can't do it within three days, then whoever initiated that action could actually cancel you out, oh. right? But of course, usually when we get down to that you point- You only have three days to 
the yeah. former fixer. Damn. Correct. Wow. But usually when we get down to that point, um, everybody's trying to hold the transaction together, right? Because nobody wants to start off. Everyone's in Whether you're a buyer or whether you're a seller, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's when it's really important where the agents come together, work out the differences because, you know, seller might have one opinion, buyer might have one opinion. You want to kind of formulate and be like, okay, what's going to make everybody happy, right? Because you fall out, yeah. then you got to go through this whole process all over with another person, yeah. right? And you just have no idea what's going to happen at that point. So that's why it's helpful to have the agents because they kind of like, like mediate and Correct. Uh, smooth things out. So yeah. earlier you mentioned like a no contingency deal, which I've been seeing a ton. Correct. Like when I was trying to get some um, investment Airbnb properties, yeah. people were coming in and they're like buying it cash, no contingency, and then they would get it like immediately. Correct. And I'm like, man, how do we beat these guys? Because I'm worried that we get a place that's overpriced, yeah. but also there might be termites, there might be whatever. So um, in that case, do we just wait? Or like, what would you do yeah. in that situation? I'm a big believer of it's meant to be, it's meant to be. There's no point in trying to force something, right? Because there are some things that we try to do and we're just like ramming it in there and it just never works out. So I always say if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. Plus when you go out there and you make no contingent offers, I mean, it's a huge risk if you have no reports up front. Yeah. You don't have anything. I mean, in San Francisco, they got really crazy because of the whole uh, tech boom up there, right? You have all those VCs just making killings on monies and you see home appreciations just go crazy up there they were doing a lot of non-contingent offers but most of the agents set it up where here's a report up front here are all the disclosures mm -hmm. up front so at least you know what you're getting into as opposed to going in completely blind right so if you go in completely blind out I, I would always say it's not the right property right unless wow. you're willing to take that risk and that risk could be huge right yeah. because or if you're a contractor yourself, right? Like you can walk in and you are the inspection eyes. Exactly. But there's only so much you can still do yeah. with just visually seeing Can't it, right? Can't you just go like, you know, like... <laughs> Check the door. In my mind is a lot of these homes were being bought with the same no contingency stuff, yeah. right? And then um, they'll give you a like that escrow period or whatever, but they're like, whatever you find, that's on you. Correct. And then I was like, people were still buying them, dude. It's yeah, crazy stuff. It's inventory, right? It's, it's all, yeah, inventory. It's like, and we're not even talking about LA. We're talking about up there in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, we're seeing it in a lot of parts of the country just because of the no inventory. But I mean, is it worth it? Because let's say you got to redo the whole plumbing, or maybe the foundation is off, yeah. and that's twenty, thirty thousand. You already paid like a thirty thousand dollar premium. And now you got to dump another twenty into it. Uh, what, for the normal person, if they're not an investor, they probably. I mean. Remember we were talking about just like three and a half percent down payment or not even having 20% down. You have a big issue like this, how are you gonna fix it? Yeah. And if you don't fix it. And you can't wrap that into the loan. So it's like 30 G's up front. Up front, out of pocket, right? So if you don't have that and you have that issue, you don't fix it, guess what's gonna happen? It's just gonna get worse over time. That's right? true. Right? And we're talking about, uh, what? Half a million, 800,000, a million dollar property, right? So it's not something that is like really light right so in your case, like, it, um, in a crazy time like this, unless you have like a deal that you feel comfortable with, you just wait until things calm down and then you start purchasing or like, what would you do? Well, I think with a lot of buyers right now, they know they can afford so much, right? So I think it's really coming down to being okay with what you can buy right now. So a lot of people do look at that. I'm going to be here for like 30 years. This is going to be my forever home, which is 
true to a certain extent, but most people on average probably change houses within every seven years, right? Really? Yeah. I think the, the actual stat's always been roughly around seven years. They get tired. Yeah. Or they, there's changes in lives, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. look, how much, look how much our <laughs> lives have changed in a year, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so there's that you have to kind of look at, right? Everybody always wants more. Right, you're like, okay, I can afford a million dollars, but the 1.2s look a lot better, right? Oh, yeah. That's true, if you get a raise or something. Yeah, so yeah. I think you always gotta be within your means mm -hmm. of whatever you're going to purchase. Um, and especially as crazy as the market is going, like if you are know you can only afford a million dollars and you're looking at a million dollars, guess what? Those are gonna get pushed to like 1.1 or, or higher. But speaking of that, right, so everyone, there's a lot of buzz about real estate being in a bubble right now. Yeah. What's your take on that? So compared to our last crash, so I, I, I was really young in the industry at that point. Uh, that was with 2008, the last, 2008. 2008, I was like three years into the business. So I didn't really understand it, but looking back at it, I mean, it was like a triple whammy, I always call it, right? Because you had people that were purchasing, a lot of people back then, you can literally buy 100% financing. As long as you had a heart rate, you got a loan. Wow. And you didn't have to put any money into it. Bang, so bang. people that could <laughs> yeah. Freddy Mac homes were buying homes. Yeah, because they had special, we call it 80-20 back then, right? 80-20 loan. So you had one lender give you 80% and you had another lender give you 20%. Wow. Right, so you literally came $0 to the table. There are even lenders, you know, there's closing costs whenever you buy a house. Yeah. Um, so there's those escrow fees, those lender fees and so forth. They even had lenders that would be even willing to pay for your closing costs back then. Wow. So literally zero dollars out of your pocket and you can go buy a house. I missed that bubble. <laughs> a lot of people also got loans what we call interest only, right? Mm. Which isn't necessarily a bad loan. You just have to strategically know how it works. How and to if utilize it's going, it. Utilize it correctly, right? So they were paying just the minimal. They were just paying the interest on, on, the, on the property. So when those loans readjusted and it was principal plus interest, right? They were like, whoa, our, our, our payment now is like three times what we were paying before. So those people definitely couldn't afford the house at that point. So they lost it to that. Mm. Plus we also overbuilt at that time, right? And then on top of that, then we had the whole economy crash. Mm. So that's why I say it was a triple whammy. So is that going to happen in this market? I know for sure the qualifications is like 10 times stricter than what it was before. Like they go through everything and anything in your credit scores and like history and all that to make sure that you're qualified, right? Um, yeah, right, right now, now on, um, cause I'm going through the process with the Nevada house yeah. and the loan officer over there like would even ask me like, what's this $17 payment in your credit card? Correct. Like I see, yeah, you don't ever use this credit card. Correct. And all of a sudden you have a seven, I'm like, oh, I just, that's my OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans subscription. They're really like trying to see and, and really study your pattern before they they Correct. allow you a loan. Yeah, because back then it was there's these things called we call it stated programs. We still have stated programs today, but like they were just so loose. State is basically I make this, and they're like okay, right? Oh shit. They kind of have that now. They kind of have that now, but it's a lot more stringent than what it was before. Wow. So I don't see that happening because that that triggered a lot of the properties coming out. Uh, onto the marketplace where wow. people couldn't afford, right? And that created this excess supply that we had. Um, right now, it's just literally, we haven't been developing at the pace of our population in California, at least. People are getting well qualified. So, I mean, nothing lasts forever, right? So I think it really is gonna hinder upon what happens with our economy, right, moving forward. I mean, they're pumping a lot of money into our economy. We might get, what, a third stimulus plan mm -hmm. coming out. 
Um, I think inflation is going to happen. Uh, so if you look at historical cycles, if inflation happens, real estate prices skyrocket, right? So even more than now. Yeah. So wow. will that happen? I don't. I mean, we're in such a weird time because should I hold on to my house and sell it, <laughs> dude? What are you, come on, what are we doing? I'm about to move. Yeah. I mean, we're in. Such, I mean, because look at the look at the stock market, right? Does any of that really have? solid fundamentals no it's just yeah. money being pumped exactly yeah. so that's where i think the divide is getting much bigger so will we have that crap I, I there's got to be a correction at some point because affordability after I, I hope so too <laughs> affordability is just going to get to a, a, a point where it's just nobody yeah. can afford it right because it's getting to that to that level mm -hmm. you know